welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. I'll be joined by faithful producer and co-host Alex Wong in the second segment. Uh, but in the first segment here, um, we will have Coach David Thorpe from True Hoop on the line. And, um, yeah, lots to discuss. Definitely, um, for me, I definitely would like to move away from the Nick Nurse conversation, considering for me personally, I feel like in the, the rack pod on Friday after the, Philly, uh, the Sixers game and then, of course, on Sunday – after the Hornets game, and then in our banter pod on Sunday, and of course on the, the Monday, we had a very large discussion about this. So it, it's, I think it feels like it's kind of already dead. But I, I would like to ask Coach um, about sort of just his thoughts on the, the the situation from an outsider's perspective, and then move on to you know actual basketball points. Um, Coach, you there? I am here. Yeah, Coach. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure how much of uh, of, of Nick's comments you saw over the weekend. Um, obviously, there was lots of focus on both the the men's and women's finals in the NCAA and, and pretty busy week in uh, basketball as well, um, in professional basketball too. But um, if you did see Nick's comments um, about his future and sort of essentially openly speculating as to whether he's going to move on, do you have a thought as to sort of, you know, that approach that he's sort of taken and where the Raptors could potentially go in terms of guys who could come in and, and, and uh, be the next head coach? Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I, uh, I'm old school. I, I, I like people keeping their business in-house until um, you've made a decision. I don't, I don't think airing stuff publicly works, uh, makes a lot of sense. I understand that as, you know, remember, I grew up, I'm an old guy, Will. I grew up, there, there, wasn't, so, there wasn't cell phones, much less any social media. So mm-hmm. um, I, I thought it was just a better way to go about your business. I still, to this day, think about that. Uh, keep it to yourself, but he chose not to. Um, seems like a lot of people do that these days. And um, I, I felt like he was basically saying, I'm out of here. So, I mean, I, I, I've, I don't know Earl Watson. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not think he was a very good coach. In fact, I thought he was a terrible coach in Phoenix, but we have to remember who the owner was, and so I have no mm-hmm. idea. I certainly wouldn't hold him accountable without knowing more details. Um, he's well-respected. People that I know uh, respect him as an intellect, much less a coach, because mm. bo- it's both. And uh, I think the players think well of him. So I would think that just because he was with Nick doesn't mean he is Nick. He's He has his own um, talents and, and processes and probably worth at least examining. I mean, no one knows the team that you could hire better than him. So I, I probably would start with talking to him and, management and ownership has to decide, okay, we like what he's having to say. I certainly would want to talk to the the, the players that have been there mm-hmm. for, for uh, what long as he's been there and see what, what they think. And uh, if it, you know, if everyone's on board with, yeah, I think, you know, he should get his shot that to me, the healthiest franchise are the ones that develop the next guy in line. You can't always do that because while you're developing someone, they may get plucked away by another smart team. You have nothing you do about that, but that's not the case here. They, they could promote from within. And I, I've always preferred that for franchises. Uh, it, 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 I think it's just healthier. Um, so I'm hoping that's what they do. If not, yeah, I have some other ideas if you're interested, but we can talk about the team itself if you want. No, I mean, I think I be, would be curious in terms of like hearing your thoughts on other coaches around the league, 
whether they're head coaches or assistants or even, you know, I know you follow a lot of leagues outside of just the NBA itself, like other candidates, because again, like this is one of those areas where, I mean, coaching is so nebulous, right? Like it's, it's, it's not just who has the best X's and O's. It's also about uh, the, the player development side. It's also about the, the people management side. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, talking with people about um, this job is just, there's so much of it is just managing people and managing expectations. I think that's probably first and foremost a job beyond X's and O's. Um, obviously, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that as well. But um, yeah. yeah, if there's other candidates. I mean, obviously, I think Earl is definitely a guy who is interesting because the, with the Raptors assistant coaches, you're not allowed to talk to them for the most part. Um, you definitely never hear any of them on record. Um, and I think that that's been a team-wide policy under Nick. Yeah. Um, there's kind of two camps in my, in my reads on this. There's, like, Nick's people. Like, for example, Nate Bjorkren is absolutely a Nick person. Um, you know, he even went to Indiana on Nick's recommendation, and then he flamed out after a year, and then he came back to Toronto immediately and got a spot right back, even though he was called a, a consultant. So there's there's Nick's people, and there's a couple other guys like that. And then, of course, I think there's other guys who I think – have joined the program, and I feel like Earl is not quite a Nick person, you know, in, in that sort of same camp if, if we're sort of breaking it down. So I think Earl definitely deserves a look on that front. But who are some other candidates around the league that you think, you know, could make that step up? Well, I'm, I'm not going to give you the canned answer of whoever the longtime assistants are at 20 different places. I'll give you two out-of-the-box answers that would be home runs. The first it seems impossible, but uh, it wouldn't be the first impossible guy to get hired. Someone should offer Udonis Haslam a head coaching job. He's okay. the highest paid assistant coach. He He's not the highest paid because a few other guys, Garrett Temple makes about $5 million a year in New Orleans, and, and he does the same thing that Udonis does very, very well, I should add. Mm. The Pelicans people love him. But but UD would be a, a, a game changer for that franchise. You'd have to get some help for sure. He wouldn't be the first coach that needed help. Yeah, yeah, in fact, sure. that's kind of common. that you who Even if you hired an X and O guy, you'd need someone like UD uh, to, as an assistant coach. And if you hire someone like Udonis and hire more of an X and O guy, not to say Udonis wouldn't have great X and O's. You have to remember the guy's, the guy's uh, high school coach, coached in the Final Four for South Carolina, my friend Frank Martin. Mm. He played for Billy Donovan and Stan Van Gundy and Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. Pretty freaking great yep. you know, group of guys that he's coached with. And um, I will tell you firsthand, he's top three or four basketball mind I've ever spoken to that was a player, but I'd rank him. I'd rank him with anyone. If had he grown up six foot one instead of six, seven, he would have been an unbelievable coach. He has a brilliant mind, a, a very quick thinker, uh, unbelievably tough, amazingly talented at relating to people, but also very, very humble. I think he'd be a tremendous head coach and don't know at all that he's willing to do that. Nor do I know if he's willing to leave right. Miami. I think he's retiring as a player after 20 seasons, but um, I think he owns a lot of restaurants and franchises, like like really nice restaurants, and then places like Subway and McDonald's, maybe in Miami. He's Mister Miami, so right, he may right. not be willing to leave. But I think he'd be great. And then, um, and honestly, I don't remember when when I had Masai down with me. I don't remember if Udonis was still with us or not. I I just don't remember. Mm. Um, but uh, but certainly Masai knows who he is. The other name is very personal to me. I think he's the best under 40 coach in the world. His name is Ryan Pannone. Mm. He's he's an assistant coach for the Pelicans. He's been their G League head coach, was very successful. Uh, right now, you guys would know this, but I know he's a very hot name on the college side, both from mid-majors that would that are that interviewed him to take over their program, as well as like top five programs in the country 
who want to bring him in as like as like their top X and O guy on the court. They won't even ask him to recruit much. They just want him to coach. Um, and he's 38 years old, I think. He's he's got an unbelievable future. He was my assistant for 14 seasons. He's probably coached, uh, you know, I'm at that 100 99 NBA players. He's had more than that now because he's been with the NBA team in addition mm-hmm. to me. He's he's the best player development guy you're going to find in the world uh, that's interested in coaching for an NBA team, I should add. Uh, and um, incredible ability to meet, uh, uh, to connect with players, uh, really good at managing up and managing down, which I think is a rare trait. Hmm. So he, he, he knows how to stay in his lane. He knows how to inspire people. But you have to understand, Will, this guy during the pandemic was doing clinics all over the world virtually with like the biggest names in coaching and probably was better than most of them on the X and O side. Hmm. And yet he's got this great humanity side. He's going to be a head coach in the NBA somewhere right. unless he decides to run a college team, which, which he could do. In fact, I've advised him to do it. He's got three kids under the age of six and a, and a wife who's got a PhD, very bright lady. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think he's got a better life for his children in, in college, but he gets to make that choice. So I, I don't think the Pelicans will let him leave easily. He's extremely well thought of in New Orleans, but he they can't make him the head coach. They have Willie Green there, who, right. who I know he loves working with. Um, Masai knows Ryan. He's, he's heard me tell about him many times. He would be the smartest hire Masai could possibly even consider because he's innovative. The guy's got huge European, not just European contacts, Will, for understanding the, 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 um, the tactics of how they play there, which we're starting to copy in the NBA more and more. It's why I think he was hired by New Orleans is they wanted a European influence on their, on their coaching strategies. Mm. But he's also so connected to all the agents and scouts in Europe and coaches every off season. He travels to the, the best Euroleague programs and goes to their practices and picks up what they're doing. So he would get amazing information on, on not just who to draft, but who may be able to look at a free agency, you know, strengths and weaknesses that not everyone knows. So again, some innovative GM is going to be super smart and they're going to hire a guy that no one thought, wow, I didn't realize he was that level. And then five years later, when they win a championship or get three straight NBA finals, whatever, they're going to realize he was the best guy out there. So hmm. he'd be amazing in Toronto. His wife loves living out of America just because she likes seeing different places. So it, it it really checks every box. But my guess, I mean, Earl Watson is an easy get. Is an easy get. I think they'd be smart to look at him first. But if that doesn't work out, then I'd strongly suggest they look at Pinot. And I, I doubt they will. That's not how most executives work anymore. Hmm. No, I mean that's interesting though, and I think the, the 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 phrase that you that really perked my ears is is sort of the development aspect, right? Because I think yeah. that for Toronto, like there is still the reputation of like players develop here and 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 they get better and they make careers, and of course the easy sell is obviously it's like the teams led by Fred and Pascal. These guys are guys who were unheralded prospects who were able to you know achieve a lot in their careers. Um, but I do feel like in, in, in the last maybe three, four years, um, whether it's because the Raptors have traded a lot of their picks, which happens. Like when you're trying to win a championship, you end up yeah. moving a lot of your picks. Like, I mean, like I'm not crying about the fact that the Raptors traded a pick, for example, <laughs> to get Kawhi, for example. Um, but whether it's because of that or brother because they've been winning and, and so their picks haven't been as high outside of Scotty, like maybe that development aspect isn't as you know, promising. Even this year, for example, and I think when Masai sits down at the end of the season, he looks at it, it's like, okay, you evaluate coaching. Well, which of our guys really developed and grew and, and got into a new spot this year? It's hard to find that guy on the Raptors this year. Like, the best candidate is probably Jeff Down Jr. Um, 
who is on a two-way deal. And to be honest, they should really try to convert him into a permanent contract ahead of the playoffs. So that development aspect, and I'm curious from your perspective, because this is literally your business, how much of development happens in season within organizations in the NBA versus how much of it happens in the offseason with working with guys like you, basically? Well, this is going to sound probably ironic, but I'm a big believer in in-season development is the most important thing. We, we, can, we can do a lot of development off-season for sure. The off-season development program is based on how they played in-season. That's where we get our curriculum from. But in most cases, when I see – I have a lot of players I help in the NBA right now. When, when they mess up on a Tuesday, well, I tell them – I send them links and give them thoughts, and we talk Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday night mm. about what just happened Tuesday right. and how do we fix that? How do we get better at that? And uh, one of my young players – as a point guard, was was really struggling to know when to penetrate into what I call the first box, which is the area about eight feet in the paint around the rim, mm-hmm. and and then and when to stop and and shoot. What we call the second box, which is up to the free throw line, and we we really and I get better as a coach all the time, just learning how they're learning and seeing. I try to see the game the way they see it, and so I finally kind of figured out. Amazingly enough, it took me this long to figure it out. Some really good principles as to when you should attack and when you should stop. And I shared that with him. We sent a lot of clips. And he's been, God, about 90% accurate in his reads mm. since then. He's not perfect. Right. But he's getting pretty close at reading the game and knowing when to keep going and when not to. And, and that was in season. That was, you know, that was in the last two months. Um, so I think it's super important. And, and here's a real-life example for the Pelicans. If you look at Trey Murphy's story, uh, you look at Jose Alvarado's story, there's two players that in the last two years – when they've struggled, they sent them to the G League to get confidence, to work on some reps, mm. to work on some things they were struggling with. And then when they did well, they brought them back to the, the franchise in New Orleans, and they've never left. Well, who was head coach of the G League team then? Ryan Pinot. Right. Like, that isn't an accident. Trey yeah. Murphy was out of the rotation and then was sent down to the G League three or four games later after, like, a 30-point game. He's been back up ever since. This was last year. Alvarado was a two-way guy that no one wanted to draft, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yet he's been a, a starter. He's injured now. Right. Uh, uh, but got to start with the G League. And if you go, if you watch them play like I do, those guys have a real trust in Ryan because he earned it. He helped them play better, which is really all these players care about. I don't care who you are, with very few exceptions. If you can help them play better, that means you're impacting their value, which means they're getting paid more money because of what you're doing. They will love and respect you. And that's where I think Pannone has a, a huge advantage over a lot of coaches today. They're, they're coaching guys. They're not teaching them how to play. Ryan's old school. Maybe it's just because he was with me so long. Mm-hmm. This is my business. It's helping guys get better to build value, to get paid more money. And he's, he's a genius. He's the best in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And like I said, someone's going to be smart enough to give him a chance, give him a three, four-year deal, and, and, and see, at least at the player development side, see what it does. But uh, it, most most executives just are afraid to do so, and that's fine. But yeah, that's, that's my opinion anyway. Uh, coach, you got you got you got to you got to call Masai right now and just give him this pitch. I've given Masai this pitch. Okay, okay, good. And he good, didn't good, seem good. to want to hire him. That's okay. I gave I gave David Griffin the same pitch, and he hired him. So all right, fair, th- fair. There you go. All right, all right. <laughs> um, no, I mean honestly, I, I really like talking about this this subject. Um, last week I actually had a, a, a like a forty five minute chat with. Um, the Raptors 905 head coach, Eric Corey, and he, he's very young in his career. He's like the first time he ever got a head coaching job. So kind of reflecting on the season, the, talking about the process of coaching is really fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, we got to talk about um, other things beyond that. But uh, there is something I would like to circle back to in regards to Udonis yeah. Haslam. 
who uh, yeah. Miami was in town. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll circle back at the end of it, actually, because uh, I want to sort of stay on topic here. So um, part of the reason I, I wanted to bring you on was sort of to look at um, Pascal Siakam's season, right? And I think um, we're really when you really break down his year, I, I would sort of break it down to the three blocks. Um, I would say that there was the pre-injury, which obviously he started the season great. Um, but in game nine of the season, he gets hurt. So the first eight games of the season, he was averaging 26 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists per game. He was shooting 48% from the field, 36% from three, and he was getting to the foul line eight times a game. When he returned from that injury, which I think cost him three weeks, maybe a little, just a little under a month, um, he actually hit the ground running pretty quickly, but he averaged 25, 7, and 6 on 48% shooting, 35% from 3, and 7.4 free throw attempts per game. That's after 40 games, so mostly that was okay, and honestly, that's phenomenal numbers. And then post-All-Star, I think that's where we've seen a little bit of the slowing down process of him averaging 22, 8, and 5, and the majority of that comes down to the fact that um, his free throw attempts dropped from about 8 a game to about 4 a game. He's still shooting decently um, in terms of from the field, 47%. His three-point percentage has dropped down to 29. But, you know, there is a, a more of a noticeable slowdown in those 19 games. So, Coach, I really wanted to sort of ask from your perspective, like, what did he start the season doing really well? And sort of as the season went on, sort of where do you see some things where if, if there is some slippage? Well, I think that you you guys are you guys are seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um the free throws is a direct, really direct. Your, your number of free throws normally is directly proportional to your your speed and force of which you're attacking uh, the basket, as well as the craft of uh, taking the right angle, deceleration, change of direction, change of speed uh, altogether, which is sometimes including a surge dribble and then fakes. I mean, just to break it down, I'm sure, sure like in, in the simplest way, this is what we teach also all of season. Um, and I thought he was really, really elite at that. Elite, I wouldn't say really elite. He was close to elite to start the season. Mm-hmm. And I just think over the course of time, which happens all the time, uh, it, it's waned a little bit. There's other factors at play. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess is, and I'm not a sports scientist, but my guess is if we had him, for example, if we tested him at P3 in Santa Barbara, Atlanta, prior to the season, and then tested him about two months ago, you would see a, a significant drop in, in whatever measures they're looking at. Right. As an athlete, quickness, deceleration, sudden starts, sudden stops. These are all things that that I know he worked on in the offseason, like any good player. Um, and I have a feeling it's because he just plays too much. Mm. I just think he plays too many minutes. And when you're injured, you're not, you're not that those are that isn't refreshing, recharging time. You're rehabbing. So I think honestly, I think I just think he's tired. I, okay. I haven't asked him or anything like that. I'm just telling you mm-hmm. I'm not, I just think he's a little bit tired and I also think it's a lack of belief uh I think to start the season Pascal this is just what I I know I know the first part I only am guessing the second part but mm-hmm. I think that I know that he wanted to be an MVP level player first team all NBA right. and I think as the team struggled and this is not just about wins and losses this is about a, a real disconnect uh the franchise was wobbly Oh, yeah. And I I think some guys don't care. They are able to just plow through and put up their numbers in any situation. Mm. I don't think Pascal is one of those guys. It doesn't, that's not good or bad. In fact, I might even argue that's good. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he's connected to his team because he is a very selfless player. You can look at his his career number and assists this year, at least per 40. 
yep. um, as an example of that. Uh, he, he, he really doesn't care if he scores if they win. And so when the team was, I just think, lost, I think it impacted his force. Right. And mm. when Pascal is at his best, he plays with a force that is relentless and undeniable. And I don't feel – I didn't watch him a lot during during this course of the, the season. It's certainly not during his rough spots. But I remember watching him one time and really feeling down that that he just doesn't have that belief anymore that either he can be all NBA, a first team, or that his team is going to amount to anything of, of that, met, that matters. Mm. And so I think that missing that force, that energy, has impacted his drive to attack, 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 get fouled. And so his free throw attempts are suffering because of it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because again, there's 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 both aspects, right? The the fatigue aspect, which um, I think will happen when you're leading the league in minutes, um, multiple years in a row, by the way. It feels like he's yeah, in the top right, five. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> not, 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 one of the features of the Nick Nurse system for sure. Um, but I think the other aspect too that you're mentioning, the emotional aspect, again, like un- unless you're really working with these players and really getting to know them and all this other stuff. Like, I, I think that's the part that is, is lost in, in a lot of it. Like, of course, even the numbers look similar, right? I would say, like, yep. you know, the start of the season when he when it was awesome, like when we just watched the first couple of games of Pascal before he got injured, it was like, man, what's Pascal going to do, like, the next game? Because, like, even Kyrie was saying, he's like, this is who he is now. He's going to be a walking triple-double, right? And it was, like, 26-10-8 and eight with, like, and going to the foul line all the time and using a lot yeah. of fakes and all that kind of stuff. And sort of as the season wears on, you do see, like, okay – he goes from that level to like still being productive and no one would ever say 25, seven and six with great shooting splits is any, anything other than effective and productive, but you do see a bit of a noticeable, I don't know that, that feeling of like, okay, maybe he's not attacking or, or, or breaking down his defender as much. Maybe he's using the jumper a little bit more. Maybe there's, there's, there's other aspects at play, but no, I think that's that's really valuable, and I, I do feel like okay. So he went through. Clearly, there was a slump at the end of the uh, at the end of the road trip that when the Raptors went out west. Um, you know, and, and there were a couple of games where he didn't go to the free throw line at all, and that I just thought that that's odd. That's not his game whatsoever. He bounced back. He had an eleven uh, uh, free throw attempt game. He had a ten free throw attempt game. I, I do feel like um, with 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 Pascal, like you know, there is obviously that careful balance as you mentioned about you know using that second uh, box jumper. Uh, versus yeah. getting to the rim. And I feel like he can typically get to the rim um, when he is fully alert and when, when he's not. But obvi- obviously, as with most players, when you get more tired or even when the lane gets more clogged, you're probably going to settle for more jumpers. And I do feel like if there is that development aspect of his game that you want to see from next season or even beyond, because obviously Pascal's proven to be a, a hard worker and he's going to try to come back with something, I feel like there is still probably more work to be done in terms of just like... Um, not only just pacing himself through the course of the season, but also I think in terms of just like keeping that jumper to be super sharp. Because when he's making that shot, it really does change a lot of how defenses will cover him. Like you even see a lot of teams this year will double team him in the mid range, which doesn't happen that often for most guys because most yeah. teams will give you a mid range. But that's where he, he was able to just like take one dribble, get inside, and then immediately swing to the wing, and that's how he was getting a lot of his assists too. So right. I, I'm curious to hear your assessment on that front. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll be very I'll be very frank. If if I was in charge of his player development this summer, I would be focused on two-foot finishes. That's huge. Okay. Uh, his handle was super tight this summer. I think it got a little looser. I get back to really having an amazing handle. And then uh, because you're doing off two feet, you want to make sure he's got uh, – uh, you have to stick your landing so you don't travel when you land, and then you can violently fake and get mm. fouled that way. And then, of course, his three-point shot. And I think he can be an 8% free throw shooter, but for whatever reason – 
there isn't there isn't the same focus. His free throw is a little bit weird. Um, he stands a few a little, steps, like a few inches back. Yeah, the that's, line. that's I don't love that, but I really don't love his hand placement isn't great with his free hmm. throw. Okay, and I don't know if that's causing a problem. I've had players shoot over eighty percent with weird hands, weird, sure. weird hand placement, but three point shooting, free throw shooting, two foot finishes, tighter handle, and and then just more of a of a recognition that uh, it it's really hard, Will, for someone that's so selfless and all about we. To, to channel more me. It's just hard. It's a hard mm, sure. thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Chris Paul has had this problem his whole career. Uh, it's something I did worry about a little bit with Scotty Barnes because he is so selfless that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's handling it pretty well for his first two years anyway. Um, Pascal, he wants to pass the ball. He wants people to be happy. He doesn't want to be happy alone. And um, I th- honestly, a change in coaches, which I almost for sure can envision there, is going to make a difference. Maybe not a good difference. It might be worse, but yeah, okay. uh, boy, I'd like for a coach to play him 33, 32 minutes a game mm. and and see how that affects him in the long term too because I think that he's just me- physically, mentally, emotionally just – this has been an emotional season for anyone that cares about Toronto basketball Amen. with such high expectations and so disappointing to sure. you know barely eke in only to get their ass kicked now by Milwaukee or Boston probably in the first round if they're lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's uh that can't be fun. And and to be as good as he wants to be, it helps to to be on point with your mental and emotional faculties, not just your physical. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, I think the volume is, is is there. Like the volume production is there's definitely there's no doubt. I, I think I even saw the stats of like there's you know only I don't know every other player who averaged like twenty four seven and six basically has made the All NBA team. Right. Oh, so yeah. The volume is he's absolutely probably an all NBA player. Yeah. 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 He's probably an all NBA player. Sure. He just won't be first team. That's all. Exactly. Right. And I think the, the, the next step is like the efficiency aspect, I think, can improve. And I think that that will come with uh, more consistent three point shooting um, and yeah. also getting to the foul line more. Those are always ways to make yourself more efficient. But I also think that in addition to that, uh, you know, the one critique that I think um, a lot of fans have sort of honed in on from Pascal ever since he basically became the primary guy after Kawhi left was just. What's the efficiency in the clutch and sort of like in those moments, how does he handle himself? Is he still as sharp and as bright as he typically is in the end of games? And I even looked at the numbers just and this is like very raw numbers, but we're, we're just talking about like, you know, clutch stats on NBA stats. This season, he's 20 of 56 from the field in crunch time, which is about 35 percent. Uh, that is really dragged down by being one of 10 from three in those crunch time scenarios. Last year, he was yeah. 23 of 50, uh, 55, so very similar percentages, one of five from three. And the year before that, 14 of 40 in crunch time, which is slightly better percentage-wise, but also one of seven from three. I mean, is it just as simple as, like, he's got to shoot better and or turn to, and be more willing to turn to the shot and also be sharper with the shot and then the games? Like, what do you sort of assess on that front? Well, I, I would want to look at every single shot he's taken sure. uh, because my argument is, and this is not about Pascal, this is about everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So much of that is based on how is he getting a shot? There are teams. He, I don't think he's the best hero ball guy from 23 feet, 25 no, feet. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, other guys are better, but uh, so fine. Neither is Steph Curry in one-on-one from 28 feet. If you guard him tight and a few other really good scores uh, uh, run better actions. I, this is where mm, I think one of the benefits right. of, changing what changing your coach is going to change what they're doing and um maybe it'll be worse i mean listen i thought nick nurse would be there forever i was wrong yeah, yeah right. um uh and uh and so maybe that'll impact where he gets his shots from 
Um, and and then if he can get to his favorite spots, which is what the action should be allowed to help dictate, I think you'll see those numbers go up. No, that's 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 completely fair. That's completely fair. Because again, maybe it's just because like it's my job to watch every Raptor game and watch it really closely and rewatch it and yeah. you know be on the radio and talk about it and all this other stuff. But like, I, I know there's going to be like three actions that the Raptors are going to run in the, in the games. And if I know, yeah, this, everyone does. Every yeah. scout, every opposing opposing team, any player who reads a scouting report should know what's coming. So I do feel like yeah, there is that variability aspect that I think that is going to be pretty important. Because like as you mentioned, like like Pascal. He's he's not that kind of guy. It's not like okay, we're gonna come out of that timeout and we're gonna give the ball to KD, maybe run him a screen, maybe not, and he's just gonna get you an amazing shot. Like that's not the type of player that you know he is. But of course, that's where again on the coaching aspect in terms of tactically, like there are more ways to sort of fund him and, and get him more creative. Um, coach, I, honestly, I, I wanted to ask you about the the playing aspect as well, um, just because you know I was listening to the True Pod, which I think comes out three times a week now. Is, is it three? I would, no, we do Monday, typically Mondays and Thursdays. Monday, okay, so it's still twice. Yeah. It, um, yeah. But no, I mean, you guys had a great review of the Western Conference. I just wanted to ask you, I guess, real quickly, like out of the, because Raptors are locked in right now, right? And they're going to play one of, if not two of, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami. Which of those right. matchups do you think the Raptors will probably fare best in in the play-in? And which of those matchups do you think the Raptors will fare worst in? Listen, I know that... Yeah, you want me to have some really smart X and O and or matchup thing. I'm telling you, almost always look it up. The team that shoots better has just an enormous advantage. Okay, okay, and sure. you know, I, I, it's one game. It's right. same as college. That's it's the scary game. part, Coach. This is this, this is why yeah, you want to be in the play-in. Like, yeah, I just uh, I forget Boston's number. I heard Boston's number the other day. If they shoot forty percent from three or better, mm-hmm. they're thirty and one. So who cares about matchups? Yeah. Well, In most cases, these right, teams right, right. are similar. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, I would tell you that, that my guess is they'd rather play Atlanta just because Miami's got mm. Jimmy Butler, who's incredible. Interesting. Yeah. And Eric yeah, Spolstra, yeah. who's incredible. Uh, I don't think they'd fear Trey Young quite the same. Um, Quinn Snyder is just getting there. So, right. from that perspective, I would guess Atlanta, uh, who – who is fine. I mean, Atlanta could easily beat anyone. Atlanta. Yeah. I think Atlanta has been within one game of 500 for like 75 consecutive days. Yeah. 30 and, some odd games. And the funny thing is Incredible. the Raptors have been one game with, within one game of Atlanta this whole time as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. It just can't Parody, get over them. So we have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think for these teams, um, they've got to, they've got to be excited about playing. I'm not sure any of those three teams would be mm. knowing who you're going to have to face. And, and, you know, it looks like probably Milwaukee or um, Boston. Either way, it's you're looking at you're lucky to get five games from either of those two teams, get to five. Yeah. And so you gotta be excited just to get to that point. And and I don't know that they they will be, but um it, it, also with Nick Nurse last game potentially, there'll be some emotion there. Um, yeah, I think the best thing for Toronto is to is just to try to play the string out, playing the best basketball they can. They've been playing better for sure. Uh-huh. And that that'll that builds because even if you change coaches, you're not gonna change a lot of your core. No, in fact, course. you're not going to change much at all of it. Yeah. So that gives them some momentum going into next year, which you th- I thought you had last year, and y- it didn't materialize. And so the hope is that it'll be there next year. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, Coach, to to wrap up, because you've been very generous with your time as always. Yeah. Um, you know, yesterday I was thinking about you know having you on and sort of thinking about what I was going to talk to you about. And I don't know if it's just because the Raptors have been, you know, kind of uh, dry this year, quite frankly, um, outside of the drama aspect. Um, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Why don't I read a little bit more from your book? 
uh, basketball is jazz, and, and just see what pops out at me. So, uh, first and foremost, I didn't know this about, uh, 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 but I really wanted to ask this. Um, you worked with Eugene Leon? I did. Yeah, yeah, okay. one of my favorite players ever. Yeah, okay, can you give guy. me some Yijian Lan stories? This is only for the, the the substantial amount of Chinese listeners who I think um, are in, oh, the, yeah. in the GTA area. Yeah, I got to hear about my I, my, my go. I got I got a bunch of great ones. Um, okay, all right, let's first go. of all, hit. First of all, during the lockout, he had Hanukkah at my at my parents' house when my dad was still alive then, uh-huh. and um, he had no idea what Judaism was. Sure, yeah, yeah. And we, we, we were Jewish, quote around the ish part, <laughs> but uh, okay. we certainly have always celebrated. We're doing Passover Seder tomorrow night. Okay. Uh, he hung out with my kids. He was just delightful. Um, I, I have a really good story to tell you, but another funny one was uh, I, I have not eaten an authentic Chinese restaurant. I thought I had, mm-hmm. but I knew with him I really hadn't. Since him, by the way, I've coached another Chinese player that that still plays over there, and he he turns. I told him our favorite Asian uh, Chinese restaurant in the area here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, and he ate there every day. He said it was his favorite one. Wow! But um, I took him to PF Chang's as a joke. Oh, nice! And nice. it was just so funny. We had he and I had a great time. But more importantly, first of all, he's a thoroughbred, and I mean that in a good way and a bad way. Okay. His body was so incredibly unique and talented and special. He blew, I had you know, 10, 15 NBA players on the court with him. They were blown away with his ability, blown away. Right. He could dribble like a guard. He could shoot, he could shoot like a guard. He was unbelievably strong and fast and quick and agile and coordinated and balanced. It, it was a, he was a freak show. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Our players would just be, he was just a human highlight reel in our work, in our skill drills every day. So hardworking and, um, the, here was the issue, though. He did get hurt a lot like a thoroughbred. His body was okay, so finely right. tuned. I, in the, for the NBA, I don't know how it was in the – I know he was a great player in China. I don't mm. know um, uh, how often he was hurt there because I didn't talk with him uh, when he was over there. But um, my first started helping him, Will, I realized he doesn't know how to speak English. He's faked it all these years. Because right. I came in – he was probably in year four or so. I don't remember exactly how many years, but he was not in Milwaukee anymore. Mm-hmm. He was faking it. He didn't know how to speak English. And not only that, and I was so upset with it. His agent was my, was my friend, Dan Fagan. He died. I was very upset that they didn't realize that he didn't speak English. He was, and so I, feel so I felt so badly for him. The other part is everything was so foreign to him on the court, all right. these players. So one thing I had him do, it's one of my favorite stories about him. Uh, I had him uh, pay attention to college during the, during the course of the season. Because I said these future, especially if you watch, you know, the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, mm-hmm. these guys will be playing against you in the future. And so, like a year or two later, we were still working together, and I was, we were going through a breakdown before him his games that night. And I mentioned one of the players, and I don't remember who it was, but I, it might have been Elton Brand. And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I played at Duke." Like he knew. Okay. He said it to me on purpose with a smile on his face. Like he knew. I could tell he was smiling. He laughed. Like he kind of giggled. Mm-hmm. He he did it. He took it seriously. He paid attention to where these players were from. It, it's an it's a privilege that our, our American players have that they don't even realize is is sure. a privilege. Yeah, yeah, of course. That they have a feeling for that stuff. So um the other thing was uh he, I did some research as I always do before I get a player. Uh his given name is Jen Lian. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. And in China, they list you, as you must know, mm-hmm. by your by your parents' name. But they don't call you that. Yeah, no, no. He doesn't. No one's calling him E. No yeah. one's calling Yao Yao. He was Ming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I have a rule with my players that I coach. I call them what their mom calls them. 
Yeah, that's fair. This is not for Chinese players. For every player, mm -hmm. what does your mom call you? Because a lot of these guys have nicknames. I'll call you whatever your mom calls you, with maybe one or two exceptions, where it was just a silly nickname. I wasn't going to do it. And he said, my mom calls me Jean Lien. Mm -hmm. My friends call me Lien. Mm -hmm. So I remember calling Tommy Shepard with the Wizards. He was number two then. He's the president now, vice president, whatever. He's mm -hmm. the top guy. When they got him, and I said, listen, don't call him E. That's not his name. Right, right, right. That's his parents' last name. If you're his friend, he'll let you call him Lien. Mm -hmm. I normally call him Jean Lien. Mm -hmm. And I loved learning that, and I got so mad that no one in the NBA ever bothered to speak up about it. It really, to this day, it bothers me. When we we should ask these players what they want to be called, and it really bothered me about it. But I, he was a delightful, hardworking young man. In fact, he offered Ryan Pannone the head coaching job for like his a training academy. I I I got Ryan a job in China, and oh, he right. went there and had meals sometimes with Jen Lian. They weren't sure, on the yeah. same franchise, okay. and Jen Lian offered him a job like, "Hey, can you do what you do with Coach Thorpe for my my academy here?" And I don't, he didn't agree to do it, but they were still very friendly. And uh, the last thing I'll tell you is I got him prepped for the, the Asian Games the year before the Olympics. Mm. And we talked before every game just like we did if it was an NBA game. And we watched tape and all of that. And I said to him if, if before the finals, young man, you're going to win the championship today. You're going to win the Asian championship. And I said, you're going to carry your country's flag in the Olympics in London. Because China, unlike America, tends to pick their most famous athlete. We tend to pick, you know, the 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 bobsled or whatever. Typically, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, we don't typically pick too many famous ones. And uh, he won. He won the MVP. They won the Asian Championships. Um, he texted me afterwards and said, "Coach, you really think I'm going to carry the flag?" I said, "I do." Man. And so, fast forward a year later, obviously, I helped him all year. I was at my parents' house to watch the opening ceremonies on tape delay, but I was there earlier in the day, and he sent me a text with a picture of him with the flag as they were about to walk into the stadium. Wow. And it was that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff. He was uh, just an amazing young man, so hardworking, so generous. Yeah, I was a huge fan, and... He was a failure of the NBA. He, he didn't fail. The NBA failed him mm. from day one in Milwaukee. They just didn't understand how to, how to deal with him. Uh, just his culture, also his body was a problem. He probably needed to get uh, better doctors and better better work to, to deal with that thoroughbred body that he had. But it was one of the most spectacular athletes of my life. And I live in Florida where we have him everywhere. Mm. Wow. He, was, he had seven feet tall. He was special. No, that's that's great to hear. It, it, it sucks that, like, whatever, like, Yee's career in the NBA didn't pan out for those reasons you mentioned, but it also just sucks that even if you search his name for today, for example, it'll just autofill chair, and I feel like that story sort of took on a life of its own, and I feel like especially when you don't really have that big of a footing in the league, like, those type of stories and those little parables, I think, really go a long way. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Although the chairman, I, I am fond of that nickname. For, for problematic reasons. Hey, last thing, Coach. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, yeah, so, you know, your guy, Udonis Aslam, who, you know, you, you write about a lot of time in your book and you mm -hmm. talk about him a lot. Um, yeah, I just saw him come in um, with the Heat, I think, right. last week. Yeah. And he yeah. pulled up uh, pregame. And I'd never seen a player do this before, but he had, like, an XL... I guess uh, Starbucks, it, they don't really say XL. I, I suppose like um, what, those big cups, the venti cups. Yeah. 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 He just pulled up onto the court for the warmups with the coffee in hand and started doing ball drills with the other hand. And I was That's like, so oh, funny. he's ready to retire, man. He's done. Yeah. 
Yeah. But respects, yeah, to, respects to UD, of course. Yeah. But that was, he's amazing. That's a yeah. first. He's authentic. Yeah. He's the, he's the OG of the OGs. And even Dylan Brooks called him out. Uh-huh. Um, I talked to Gary Temple the other day and he called him out uh, personally. Just like that guy is, uh, you know, whatever franchise hires him, uh, and Miami won't let him go easily. And he may never leave Miami. It's, you know, his whole family's from there. Sure, but yeah. um, he is, uh, he's the real deal. All right. All right. David Thorpe. Listen to the True Who podcast, subscribe to your newsletter, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call you again during the playoffs for sure. That'd be great. Thanks, Will. All right. Okay, we are going to take a break. I've been your host, Will, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong to close out the second half of this podcast. Listen, Alex, you got a lot to live up to, man. We already have UD stories, Yijian Leon stories, Ryan Pannon stories. So I don't know what you got in the rundown, but uh, I may or may not be turning on Liverpool-Chelsea as we speak. Oh, uh, not much, man. Yeah, let's see how Chelsea can bounce back after the sacking of Graham Potter. Who they who they um, replace him with? Um... Um, you know, Ibrahimovic um, <laughs> or of that yeah, sort. Yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see Zlatan take Zlatan. over as the next manager. Um, uh, no, I've just been watching the new Tel Lasso. There's a character based on, um, um, yeah, yeah, Zlatan. So. I know Zlatan is, a, is, is kind of an absurd, like, like person he's a strong personality he used to play on psg right yes yeah because yeah. i have that kit so i'm like yeah that's that a great kit man well. that's a great i don't know kit. why i have that kit yeah i think all time's um, leading score for psg damn. yeah no just um just want to shout out shout out listener ryan morgan mm. of the show found out today when i went to my barber hannah that um we share the same barber and he's very excited about that so interesting um yeah um sorry man nice <laughs> nice, nice cut i appreciate the yeah, cut sorry yeah, i'm yeah, opening yeah, up yeah. Uh, Fubo no, TV I just right I have no. Oh, the game starts at three. Are I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah, you're good. Um, so, anyways, sad, sad to find out that um, yeah, my barber, congrats, is is uh, having a baby, Hannah, and she's gonna take a year off. So, why does that make you sad? Because I have to find a new barber. Well, you did. Yeah, I did, but I don't like change. Oh, okay. I just the, don't like switching. I'm gonna spoil the story. The change is. Your barber's husband also works at the same salon. <laughs> yeah, so I'm moving two chairs You're moving down. moving literally two chairs down to another family but member. But every, every barber has its their own, like, attention to detail type stuff. You know, if you tip him differently than his wife, he's going <laughs> to know. So make sure you keep it consistent, well, okay? maybe it's time we pay women more than men. So maybe that'll oh, be my excuse. okay. All right, wow. How that, about that? Uh, that's, that's pretty clever. I like that. How about like that? that? All right. Yeah. Anyways, you missed out on a screening um of the new movie air yes, uh, yes starring yes. ben affleck matt damon about the origin story of how right. nike landed uh, michael jordan spoiler they did um <laughs> yesterday and yeah how, how, how'd you feel missing out on that were you actually excited to check out the flick uh I was exci- how much do you know how much do you know about yeah. the story 
Like in terms I, of the backstory, I don't know. Okay, that so much you would have loved, story. you would have loved the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Then. No, it would have been like the last dance for me. I would have, it would have been all educational and, and, okay. and no part nostalgic. Yeah, you were also wearing a pair of uh, you know Adidas yesterday, so. Yeah, you, you did make me feel bad. I mean, look, to be honest, <laughs> I also got invited to the uh, to the screening, but unfortunately, I responded too late. I can't get into my work email <laughs> yeah, outside so of being this, in OMB. This is an ongoing so, thing at the moment. Like, he can't access his Anybody email. who's trying to email my my work email, I'm he sorry. Like, only, I actually can't get into it unless I'm at work. He can only read it between 1 to, like, 3 p.m. Yeah, there's a small window where <laughs> and I And only when he's me. not re-watching the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I, you know what? That uh, one I did not rewatch. No, All I did was clip a Fred to this. <laughs> coming uh, in after David Thorpe, this ain't fair, man. This is like Jason Richardson in the dunk contest after Vince Carter. Nah, man. What about when he put it between the legs and went like this? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was hard, man. That's oh, what my guy in the mainlander also had a great interview with uh, Jason Richardson. Um, it's over. It's over. I, I, I think Kenny's been doing that for like 20 straight years now. <laughs> Like, yo, you had it one time, man. You can't do that every single time. Man. You can't chase it's that. like Derek Jones Jr. will dunk and he'd be like, oh, it's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm you, like, all right. You can't chase that high, man. Yeah, I, I feel you. You cannot well, chase that Give high. me this one-minute review of Air because you obviously saw it. No, Air, Air was a good film. I think, I think the only thing lacking, I will say, is just if you know the backstory, it's hard to, like, you know, feel like you're learning anything new or there's any suspense to it, right? Because the whole film is about the chase. Um, you know, how Nike actually was able to convince Michael Jordan to sign with them, mm -hmm. tells the backstory of like Nike as a company at the time and things like that. So it's like for me, who's like, I guess like whatever you want to call it, like immersed in the space, like, you know, all those tidbits and stuff. Right. There's really nothing new. But I think for audiences, uh, people like yourself, mm -hmm. like, you know, who are not familiar with, uh, you know, Nike and Michael Jordan, it's it's a very cool film. So um, that's my letterbox review. Did I see? So both, I check it out. Yeah. Did I see both Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So is this yeah. Goodwill Hunting? But it's <laughs> yeah. So uh, good so Mike Ben hunting? Affleck plays Phil Knight, and uh, Matt Damon is Sonny Ficaro, legendary figure in in the hoops game. Who, got you. Who, who spotted MJ? Track. I see down. Chris Tucker's in this. Chris okay. Tucker's in it. Got All some. Right. Got got a little a little rush rush hour. You know, vibes. How's Chris Tucker looking these days, man? Uh, Chris Tucker, uh, like all of us, is aging. Is he is, so, is he ready to do is he ready to do a movie with? Uh, yeah, there has been there has been lots of floating rumors for years now of Rush Bro, Hour Four. You don't understand. Nothing and, has been teased more than Rush Hour yeah, Four and we, in my I, lifetime. I, I am on record to say we don't need it. Yeah, we I, don't. That's we what I'm saying. It. it sounds like a threat. It's, they, they think it's a tease. It's a threat. It's like a playing tournament. It. We don't need it. Enough. Um, Enough. I've also discovered recently. I don't think I've ever watched Rush Hour Three. Exactly. Yeah. They were because one they and two are, Paris, are good is that enough. What you said? They were in Paris. Yes, yes, okay. they were in Paris, and okay. I think at one point they jump off the Eiffel Tower I, I and they're never, holding a flag. Okay, land. I have I never know, watched man. Rush Hour Three, so yeah, get on that. Mm -hmm. Banjo Pod mm -hmm. coming soon on that. All right. Uh, anyways, play in tournament. Um, you know, play and watch continues tonight. Atlanta is at Chicago. Miami is at Detroit, and the Raptors are, are playing the Hornets. So preference tonight: Bulls win, Heat win. Raps win? No, Pistons win. Yeah, so there's a chance for the Raps to move into eighth tonight right. if Atlanta loses. And if Miami loses, then Toronto would be one game back of Miami for seventh with the tiebreaker. Interesting. I never and even consider the Raptors can move up to seventh. Seven. Is, I mean, I don't think you need to consider it that hard. I'm, oh, I'm considering it. I man. don't think it's going to happen, especially because the Celtics added Justin Champagny right, right. to, to their right, roster. Right. So you, we'll you be see seeing his, him. his twin had a, a really nice game for oh, the Julian? Spurs. Julian Champagne. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, you're making his name so French, man. This, nah, he might have played at PSG too, man. This Julian. guy might have been, this might have been the right no, back shows, behind Shouts to the Champagnes, man. Shouts to the Champagnes. And yeah, now... Great interviews. It's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Toronto Raptors wrap up their back-to-back -back series in Charlotte tonight. 
and they are favored by 14 and a half points for the Raptors. 14 and a half whole points? I mean, okay. Charlotte I mean, I Hornets. Not whole, point five's in there, Charlotte like Hornets. 14 points? Injury Man. report, the following people are out. LaMelo okay, Ball, yeah. Gordon Hayward, Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre Jr., Terry Rozier, PJ Washington. Mark Williams is doubtful. Dennis Smith Jr. is questionable. For the Toronto Raptors, Precious Achua has been added to the injury report with a non-COVID illness. He's uh-huh. questionable. OG is questionable with a mild, mild left ankle sprain. Will Barton is probable. Mm. And for those keeping track, Otto Porter remains out with a second toe dislocation. Um, Raptors right. minus 14 and a half must win in terms of the play in context. Who do you points, like tonight? Man. It's a lot of points, but I mean, I think you still <laughs> got to take the Raptors. Honestly, like it's just like when you read out the injury report for Charlotte, like do yeah. they have to make a specific injury for each one of those guys? Cause yeah. you know, some of those guys are like fit to play, but not fit to play oh, yeah, yeah. for at the end of the this season. Is a lot of this, tanking in progress. Stretch. Lots of Kai Jones coming up tonight. Man. Lots of, you know, point of attack defense on Bryce McGowan's will be one of the Look, three keys to the game. If speed doesn't hit like all the jumpers in the world, <laughs> if like speed last doesn't game, break Clay Thompson's record tonight. No, he was legit looking like Clay <laughs> in that game. It yeah. was actually a, like really impressive. So we're liking, we're liking the Raptors to complete this two game sweep. And yes, I am definitely liking and that. move over 500. I, I got, I'm not, not going to lie. As a producer, you got to you got to have balloons in the in the in, in the studio for tomorrow. Okay, please. we'll check a, check the Raptors show budget. If they don't win to, tonight, yeah. If oh. they don't win, okay. Here's going to be an angry oh. pod, man. I can if see they, it in the forecast, man. If they don't win tonight, mm. tune in at 2 p.m. tomorrow. It's going to be no tune in. Good time. Yeah, tune in. Well, I guess to but the, tune the podcast in if they win feed. as well. Has anyone said tune into a podcast feed? Yeah, before? tune in the podcast yeah. feed. By the way, the game is on 680 tonight because the Jays are on Sportsnet 590. The right, fan. right, got you, got you. And you can also catch it streaming on uh, Sportsnet.ca, and also will will have his uh, react pod on the podcast feed after. That's correct. Okay, well, that was between the lines. Brought to you by Brett Rivers. It's a whole new game, and that does it for today's episode. Uh, I've been your host, Willu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to David Thorpe, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer Derek Brandale, and Jennifer Rona for helping with the YouTube stream. We'll be back to talk to you again about The Raptors tomorrow.